egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to the SNL Network live here on this Monday night, August 15th. It is the middle of August and we are here for the SNL Network character countdown continuing it every single week this is the fourth week of the character countdown and so far we have revealed part of the top 20 list we've done 20 all the way through 10 so now we have nine through one to go and we're going to do nine eight and seven tonight so i'm excited to reveal that uh, if you missed any of those shows we've had some wonderful patrons on with us the last few weeks to reveal you know really some surprises on the list because we've gotten hundreds of votes uh over a thousand votes for the snl network character countdown and it was really cool to get to see which characters cracked the list from the snl community so if you missed out on any of those shows make sure to go check it out because to me this is canon this is the official list of the greatest yes. characters of all time all right so uh very glad to see that we have some friends of ours in the chat tonight we always want to get your comments as we go through the characters and reveal them i think we're going to have some surprises tonight and that's always fun as we go through them to talk about should these characters have made the top 20 should they have made the place that they were voted in are they great characters? I don't know, but we're going to talk about them. I, I didn't see anybody online guessing from the silhouettes this week, so that's a good sign because it's always fun to see if we can trip people up. All right. Uh, without further ado, time to introduce the patron we have on with us tonight. He is here as a solo guest. It is Carlos Rodella. Carlos, how are you? What up, what up, what up? I'm fine. <laughs> how are you doing? Yes, uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, I think in the pre-show we were debating is what up, what up, what up, the catchphrase of a character on SNL. And I know what, well, obviously what up with that, but I, I can't place it, Carlos. So I know. I was, chat, yeah, if anyone knows, please let me know. Because I just heard that in my head and I typed it into our private chat before the show started. And I was like, what up, what up, what up? Doesn't someone say that on SNL? Chat, help us out. I don't think so. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> if, any, like, if no, anybody knows. No, no one says that. If anybody knows, uh, let us know. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, SNL news, um, you know, we're getting pretty close to, like, you know, premiere time. I know it's not, like, within the month, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. It's about a month and a half away, so, uh, like, six and six and a half weeks, something like that. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about, you know, what cast changes have, you know, happened. You know, obviously, we went through all of the stuff that happened with the four cast members that were departing. Uh, yeah. What additional cast changes will be revealed? Uh, I definitely heard some news that there's going to be some more changes. So uh, I'm excited to talk about those coming up over the next few weeks when, you know, we're allowed to really talk about it. And uh, obviously, host announcements. So these things are coming pretty soon, Carlos. I'm excited for SNL 48. I am too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it feels like it's been too long. I, I have uh, withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> from uh, my yeah. SNL. So, and also cuz yeah, you know, being on the show with you and everybody um all the patrons and all the other hosts, just really fu fun to like talk and nerd out about it. And so, it's like I like you said, I want more to nerd out about. So, it's going to be good. Yeah, for sure. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. So, just like there are some surprises on the list, I think we're going to get some surprises for the cast of season 48, potentially some hosts. It'll be fun to talk about when we get there. But now it's time to talk about the character countdown. Uh, before I do that, wait, sorry, almost forgot. Carlos, how are you doing? It's been a while since we heard from you. Yeah, hey, how are you doing? What up, what up, what up? Nope, not, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, no, let's not I do that again. Did. Life is good? Life is okay, yeah. Uh, short synopsis, uh, did a little bit of work change, but now I am heads down focusing on comedy. We talked about that before and also outside of the show. So I'm really excited working on comedy writing, and um yeah some uh 
working on maybe a packet of something of writing. So yeah, pretty excited. All right. Well, the SNL community has your back, Carlos. So hopefully, yes. uh, hopefully you can keep going with all of your ventures. Um, all right. Let's talk about the SNL character countdown. Carlos, every single week we've had patrons on. I always say to them, what makes a great SNL character? Because we really need to know in order to, you know, you know, buy that you are a good analyst for this particular podcast series, the listeners have to understand what makes a great SNL character to you to see whether they agree with your criteria or not. Yeah, I think um, two things for me. And the one is actually going to show up in this show, um, which is relatable. Like if you have a character that has, you know, it's eccentric or some in some way, but the core of the character is something you can relate to. Like that's really what does it for me. And it seems like it does it for a lot of people. Um, I have examples. Uh, Kristen Wiig is the target lady. People have been to Target. They've seen someone do the checkout like the target lady. Um, you know, you have um, other people that like Debbie Downer, I wrote down. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people who have a friend group and the one person who always brings everybody down, Debbie Downer. Um, so I yeah. think that's a big Feline one, AIDS, right? Friend. Feline AIDS. It's the number one killer of cats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meow, meow. Yeah, I mean, maybe that'll come up tonight. Maybe it won't. But you know what I mean? Like, I, would you agree? Like, the relatable part, I think, is a big part for me. Um, I think it's a factor. I think that, like, there has to be an inch of relatability. I think if there's a character that is, like, really far-fetched, like, I would say um, a good example to me would be more like Penelope, like Kristen Wiig's character. Um, definitely not relatable in any sense whatsoever. I mean, like, yes, maybe there are people out there who are, like, constantly talking about themselves. But, like, the extremeness, I think, is what... Yeah, here, I'll, I'll re-say this. I think that the package of a good recurring character is probably baked in relatability, but the adding of the ingredients of extremeness, I think, what is what makes it interesting and more better for SNL. Does that make sense? Right. No, it does. And let me, like, backwards up, like Homer Simpson in the, in the bush, because I wrote down relatable and bizarre. Okay, so yeah. It's definitely the bizarre part of it as well. Because, you know, you have Kristen Wiig with Target Lady, and again, she kind of ups the ante on it, right? It's really extreme version of that. Um, also, like you said, yeah, she has the lady who's really excited about things at the party. Again, an ounce of re relatable, but really over the top because she jumps through a wall in that sketch. Um, and like Aristotle, like, it could just also be bizarre. So, like Angela is just bizarre. Sarah's meatball sketch is just bizarre. So it can also just be like really crazy too. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, any other criteria that you have for SNL characters that you want to talk about or just, uh, what you said? Uh, you mean the ones that are like stand out and are rememberable? Not necessarily in particular, but any other criteria that you look for in a character, just, you know, you said relatable, but bizarre. Is that like basically your slogan, your brand for SNL characters? Yeah. Relatable, but bizarre. And also I think I lean towards the, like, it doesn't make much sense. Like if it, if it is confusing to me, I'm excited by it. Um, okay. you know, like Andy, the, the shorts and like, uh, please don't destroy stuff. Like all that stuff like gets me excited. Cause if it, if it's confusing and weird, uh, I'm just in. So confusing and weird. I'm going to add. Okay, perfect. All right, Carlos, are you ready to reveal number nine on the list? That's what we're going to start with tonight. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Very excited to talk about number nine on the list as we kick things off. Chat, I know I saw the comments. It's a duo. So a lot of people were thinking, you know, famous duos in the history of Saturday Night Live. Garth and Cat was someone, a, a duo that was talked about a lot. We're going to see if this is Garth and Cat on the list, or perhaps it's another duo that comes in here at 
number nine. Hello, I'm Margaret Jo McCullen. And I'm Terry Rialto. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to The Delicious Dish on National, National Public, Public Radio. Radio. Yes, it is the delicious dish ladies that are coming in. Molly Shannon playing Terry Rialto and Anna Gasteyer comes in as, Mar- as Margaret Jo McCullen. Uh, this is a culinary themed radio show that was NPR style. Um, I always really enjoyed this. It was really fun. I'm so happy that this made the list. Uh, this appeared about 15 times on Saturday Night Live. Um, four in season 22, three in season 23, two in season 24, once in 25, three in 26, once in 27, and once in 35. Um, there was a couple of weird things here that I guess we'll get into, Carlos, but uh, this sketch actually did occur also with Anna Gasteyer and Rachel Dratch after Molly Shannon left the show. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. But to me, uh, those, you know, were not necessarily as fun as the ones we got. But, you know, what makes this interesting to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, this sketch, uh, these characters, and if you think they deserve to make the top nine, is a couple things. Number one is, let's start start with the style of these characters. Because I have to think that out of the entire list that we talked about, these are the most, like, underserved, like, low-key, like, really quiet characters. Like, the... It's almost like the concept of the sketch is what's fascinating, not necessarily the dialogue. Obviously, there's some exceptions we're gonna, which we're going to talk about here, which are you know really blew up. But it, it's really, really fun to talk about because the second thing that I want to get into is most people know this recurring sketch for one, maybe two versions of it, and not the fact that it was on 15 times on SNL. So right. let's start with the overall tone of the sketch, your opinion on Delicious Dish. Yeah, I mean, it's basically um, a podcast sketch before podcasts, right? It was a public radio style sketch where they're talking very quiet into the microphone. By the way, we could do that for the rest of this review if we wanted to. We probably shouldn't. Yeah, or should we? Let's do it. Can let's we? Let's do it. Okay. So uh, what I was thinking is that this is basically podcast or ASMR before podcast and ASMR. So they did that as the tone. And then when they said funny words or innuendo, which we'll get to, very sweaty in here, uh, then it was funnier because they didn't even react to the bit. Did I get it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, what was fascinating to me is like, it's like I can go back and I can watch the non-Alec Baldwin and Betty White versions of this sketch. And to me, it's sort of a different sketch. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, it's like, I know there are some innuendos, some, like, fun. Um, I think in particular, in my opinion, Anna Gasteyer's character uh, has some, like, really fun lines in some of the other versions of the sketch where she talks about, like, oh, uh, you know, she says, like, a wisecrack that is, like, the most, like, bland wisecrack possible. And then she's like, yeah, I've been thinking about saying that for over a year. And it's like, yeah, things like that are really funny to me. But obviously, it's the Alec and Betty White ones that are the most notable, memorable for all the double entendres. Yeah. And you know what, you're right, because I watched the one with Dana Carvey. um, And that's like, just a weird one. It's, it's, it's slightly, I don't know if they could do it nowadays, the way that it's done. And if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. Because Dana's funny. I mean, basically, it's about neighborhoods getting worse and he has a lot of break-ins and so that totally takes a different turn um and i don't think it works as well but when it's like like you said they have these little jokes that they think are funny and a lot of their taglines are like good times good times that's i think the the magic of the of the bit because it's a essentially being talk radio and almost it feels like sally jesse Raphael or donahue or something you know or it's this really stoic basic sketch and then it's what they're saying 
uh, that they think is funny. And it's just kind of a nerdy sketch. Um, and of course, sweaty balls is what most people think of, I think. Yeah, I, I just think like, you know, when I went through SNL for the first time and I was going through it, obviously I'd seen sweaty balls on the, all the Christmas specials. Um, but I like first got to the sketch and I didn't necessarily like get it fully. I'm not myself, like I'm not a big talk radio person. Uh, my dad's like a sports talk radio person. So like that I get a little bit like analyzing a, like a game. But uh, so I listened to that in the car like a lot growing up, but like I never really like did like NPR or anything like that. So mm. I didn't know, like, know if it was fully for me. And then I remember researching the sketch at the time and these characters to try and like buy into it a little bit more. That's always my premise is like, if you don't get something, just try and like buy into the world of the sketch. So I wanted to like research what was the focal point of the characters. And, uh, you know, there was an interview that Anna Gasteyer did where she basically said like, these two people are so painfully dull that if you just buy into the fact that they're so boring, it's actually funny how boring they are. Right. And I like made it so much better for me. By the way, did you, were you researching it like when you were younger? That's what you're saying? You're researching yeah, it now yeah. back in the day. Like, I want to figure yeah, out like, more about this sketch. Yeah, exactly. My first time when I was watching it through, like I first didn't get it. Like I would say yeah. like out of the top 20 lists, these were the characters like I first didn't get. And like once I like researched it a little bit more, maybe that doesn't work for everybody. They want to just like watch it and react to it. But like, I really wanted to like dissect this sketch more. And once I read and understood it, I like started to enjoy them way, way more. Interesting. Yeah. Very studious of you. Um, and that's why we have you have this show. Um, yeah, I think that uh, and by the way, Ken in the chat was saying that Dana's was was really good. I think it was really good too. That sketch, it was just it was a different kind of tone it took because it was so over the top about crime, um, and I really liked it and I laughed. But yeah, this one is really about. I think the heart of the sketch is about being quiet and nerdy and dull, and that's funny. And the same with you. Like I listen to radio, but like I didn't really listen to this type of programming. And nowadays, it makes a lot more sense, I think, you know, because there's so many podcasts that are these kind of quiet podcasts that are so niche about things. It makes sense kind of in a way. But at the end of the day, Betty White and um, Alec Baldwin and Shreddy Balls, that was just innuendo jokes really the whole time. For sure. And I think like if you were to ask the casual SNL fan, if this sketch had ever occurred with anybody besides Betty White or Alec Baldwin, they would probably guess no. So that's what I find really interesting. But I mean, obviously, we have to talk about this, you know, sweaty balls, Alec Baldwin thing, which is, you know, one of the most talked about sketches of all time. And it, to, to me, it's sort of like, they just expanded the world and the possibilities of the sketch. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, we get this, you know, famous line, no one can resist my sweaty balls, which, uh, you know, that is very classic i mean uh you know you know for whatever you're gonna say about alec baldwin and uh, trump there was a time before all of that where alec baldwin was just one of the best hosts ever of snl and uh, yeah and we enjoyed some of the stuff he produced on the show and i think like you know we do have to take a step back as super fans of the show and be like okay yes we've seen shorty balls a million times but like just go back to like seeing it for the first time it's a very very funny sketch I have something uh, really interesting about that on the rewatch because it is funny, but what's crazy to me, and now as I'm writing more and more sketch, uh, writing a five to six minute sketch is, you know, a lot of words. And this is a six, six minute sketch and they get, they wait five minutes to get to the line. No one can resist my sweaty balls. Five minutes in, they don't say it. Like they don't even co co like combo sweaty, his name and balls. 
I think that's the first time they say it is five minutes in. That's crazy. Like, but it's still funny the whole time through because you're getting little bits, you know, fed throughout the whole thing. For sure. And I think like obviously, you know, as podcasters now, I'm all the time, whenever I'm on any of the roundtables, any of the shows, I'm like, okay, I got to be careful that the conversation still makes sense to the audio listeners. Cause I know that there's people who won't watch the YouTube video. They're just going to listen to the audio feed. And for me, like watching the sketch again, makes it even funnier. Cause it's like, obviously, you know, you're picturing what the person who's driving in the car is listening to as yeah. they hear Alec and, and Molly and Anna talk about the balls and, you know, deformed and how they taste and everything like that it's just it's really nuts no pun intended oh no that's perfect pun intended just <laughs> own the pun um For sure. yeah i just feel like I, I really liked um how it flowed you know again on rewatch i was like wow it's just it's so it's almost like they lull you into sleep with that kind of tone and because they're doing that they're just kind of throwing more and more one-liners and uh yeah the audience was just eating it up pun intended for sure. Um, yeah. And speaking about eating stuff, I mean, we got to talk about this. Florence, there's a tangy taste in this muffin. Is that a cherry? <laughs> oh, no, no, my muffin hasn't had a cherry since 1939. I mean, I loved every moment of the Betty White episode. To me, that was just such a fun night as an SNL viewer watching that episode live when it aired in season 35. Um, to me, that was like the season 35th anniversary, like uh, as we were celebrating the show and the women of SNL. And to me, this was one of like my favorite moments probably ever watching this live being like, oh, wow, they're really going for it. And like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Like, I think the sketch is just as good as the sweaty balls one, the dusty muffin one that we get from um, Betty White. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Yeasty muffin, uh, your generation, Yeasty, yeah. your generation, I th thought it would be dry and crusty and it's not. I mean... It's all right there. It's the same joke. Um, but Betty White's so great, too, just to see her like deliver it perfectly. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's just another version of it. But it's great. I, I really enjoy... Um, I like this this setup. And so I think it works. Like It, it blows up even bigger when it's you know these two t uh, types of situations with Alec and Betty. But the, the heart of it's funny. For sure. All right, let's talk about where it landed on the list. So obviously lands at number nine. Do you think that this spot on the list is well-deserved? I think it's a little high. I mean, I really like it, but there's just so many characters, obviously. And even the ones I've seen on the show already, um, I think it's a little high. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, I mean, I feel like the low-key nature of the sketch wouldn't boost it that high. I have to think that the sweaty balls of it all is the reason that it's like, so high if it wasn't for those two versions um then you know maybe it wouldn't be ranked as high as it is but uh for me when i saw it on the list i was like oh all right i mean i'm glad that something from this era of the show really like you know found its way onto the rankings in that sense so for me um i always enjoy these characters i don't hate where it landed i would say there's some we probably already talked about that personally i would probably put ahead of these two characters but yet uh top 20 i i'm not stunned by yeah. No, I, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing. I think you're right. The sweaty balls is, I mean, just, we just say the words and it's funny. Come on. So I think For that sure. probably pushed it, pushed it ahead. Uh, Carlos, is there any, like if somebody hasn't seen some of the other delicious dishes, is there anything else? I know you mentioned the Dana Carvey one, any other moments through your research that you recommend that people go back and check out from these two characters, Terry Rialto and Margaret Jo McCullen? 
Um, I mean, not really. Not that I, I watch most of them. Um, I think the Dana Carvey one again. I know I poo pooed it in the beginning, but like it is really good. It's just such a different take. Um, so I would suggest all three of those: the Shreddy Balls, the Bitty White, and Dana Carvey ones. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely fun to see like the development of these. Uh, we have one with Robert Downey Jr. There's a John Goodman one. There's a Danny DeVito one. Um, so there's you know some different fun ones that are there to go back and check out. Uh, anything else, Carlos, on the delicious dish? I want to say one thing I forgot at the beginning is that this is interesting because Molly Shannon was like, uh, like all over the stage, you know, with like, um, what's her name? Uh, the schoolgirl, Mary Catherine uh, Gallagher, Mary yeah. Catherine Gallagher. She's Louise. Anyways. Um, so Molly Shannon was always like insane and jumping around the stage all the time, Mary Catherine Gallagher and, uh, smashing into chairs. And this is like such a reserved role for her. So I think that's interesting. You know, it's like a different take. Because she did like kind of jumping around. For sure. Incredible performer. And I mean, you see it in some of the other cast members that like, you know, that are, you know, physical performers. Sometimes it takes a lot for them to, you know, bring it back in. And in this case, I think it's more impressive. So it's a really great point. Yeah. All right. That is number nine on the list for those two characters. So we have something from the early 20s of SNL. Let's get to number eight on the list we're really getting our way up there so um this is a character that premiered within the first few seasons of the show this is a character from the first five years um a character that was very popular uh one of the biggest characters from one of the original cast members on the show let's introduce this character in the way that they were introduced on the show at the time here we go mr erwin mainway president of mainway toys Yes, it is Erwin Mainway, the Dan Aykroyd character that was introduced then by Candy Bergen and later on by Jane Curtin as Joan Face. So uh, this is a character that um, I'm not really sure how to describe him besides saying like he's kind of a schmuck. Um, this is a Dan Aykroyd character that basically is the head of a toy company and later on like medical supplies and like school uh, lunches and like mm -hmm. all types of things, Halloween costumes. Um, and he is just supplying horrible things to all of the people um, <laughs> where, uh, you know, he, he'll go in and basically the premise of the sketch is like he's showing off his toys that he thinks are safe for kids like a bag of glass or something like that. And then when the host will push back, um, you know, and say like, why not give out a teddy bear? He'll show how like the teddy bear basic toy will like choke you and it is also not safe. So um, this is a character we saw season two with Kenny Bergen, season three with Charles Grodin, season four with uh, Fred Willard, Milton Berle. Uh, and then we saw it in season 20, uh, came all the way back in Bill Swirsky's uh, super fans, uh, the bears characters. Um, where we found out that he's cousins with Chris Farley's character. And then we saw it in season 23 again with Sherry O'Terry's Judge Judy. So I think I got that correct. So yeah, a lot of Irwin Mainway over the years. This is one of the most popular Dan Aykroyd characters. So Carlos, what do you think? Yeah, I remember him from the beginning days. Again, I don't know if I was, I was too young to watch it when it came out probably, but uh, I did see it early on. And I've always really liked this character. I, I, I like it from the beginning few uh, you mentioned the, um, well, the whole Johnny Switchblade one. That's yeah. like, I think, is that the first one? Uh, I think so. Yes. yes. Bag of Glass. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah bag of Glass. I just remember like me, maybe I did see it when I was a kid. Cause I remember me and my friends talking about the bag of glass and we thought that was hilarious. Um, it, I think it actually, not to make it about my comedy, but it might've informed me a lot because I loved how awkward and off-putting it was. 
it's like he was doing these terrible things and just like so matter of fact about it. And she was like, you know, calling out like how crazy it was. And by the way, I rewatched that sketch. There's hardly any laughs. Like it doesn't get laughs. It's a quiet sketch. Um, now, I don't. I, I know it's the same thing. Let me just say, I, I think it would get a lot more laughs now. I do too. I do too. I could hear the laughs now, you know, but back then it's almost like they were like, well, what are they doing? Because if you look at the whole setup of this, I think the first two that I watched might be the first two is like on the spot. And they're like, you know, taking a company to task because they're doing terrible things. That happened a lot. Like that was a normal thing. So I think that's what was going on is like the audience was like, well, is this supposed to be kind of serious? You know, um, that's just my take on it because it feels like the audience is confused and they're like, is he's a terrible guy. Why would we think this is funny? I remember laughing the whole time. Uh, but yeah, bag of glass. And then, like you said, she tries to say, hey, any, you know, what, what about these harmless toys? And then he, of course, like almost dies on them. Uh, it's perfect. I love it. Yeah. And he's like, he'll be like choking and then he'll like flip over his seat and stuff. And it was good. Like, you know, at the time, obviously, like we just came off like Chevy doing a lot of physical comedy on the show. It was nice to see Danny doing the physical comedy as well. Um, that was like, you know, fun to get to see a little bit. And, you know, he's just, uh, it was, you know, I think that Dan Aykroyd is so well known for his time on the show where you think of like the basomatic thing where he could just, you know, talk and do the infomercial and he's like the most amazing infomercial voice. But here he's like just so sleazy in the way that yeah. he's talking about everything, like his facial hair, everything like that. He's so into character as Erwin Mainway. And I think that I love, you know, I, I didn't, you know, it's very cool. I obviously wasn't necessarily watching live when, uh, you know, he came to the super fans or the judge Judy sketch at the time in the early twenties. But, um, you know, when he was doing this with the original cast, I love those versions of the sketch with him and Jane Curtin. These are the types of sketches that I talk about that I wish I could see more of on the show right now, where you basically take two people and it's one, it's one V one. It's one on one where someone's playing the normal and someone's playing the crazy. And he doesn't have to be too crazy. It's just all in the line writing. It's all about, you know, the delivery and, you know, when does he accelerate? When does the normal person come in and put a stop to it? And, you know, Jane Curtin is so good in the versions mm -hmm. of the sketches with Dan where she's just ripping him and basically playing the voice of the audience. I think it's really fun. Yeah, and to that point, uh, one of my favorite shows is I Think You Should Leave, uh, Tim Robinson. Uh, he's one of my heroes, comedic heroes. And um, there's a lot of sketches that are just that, like characters being characters, and and you sit in that kind of awkwardness. Now, he goes extreme with his awkwardness sometimes, but um, that, I do love it for the same reason you said. Like those two, first two are what I think of when I think of this. And I think they're they're justified on the list because it is just, yeah, like it's like straight man. And then... Um, and in this one, it's straight woman. And then this weird character. And you're right. He like doubles down in the sleaze factor. But then you believe it. You're like, this is a sleazy guy who probably exists. And he wants to like feed chalk to people in the, in the lunchroom. Because that's one thing he does. He like, uh, he goes, we got, a, we got a break of quantity on a quantity of chalk. So I put it in the sandwiches. What? what? Um, coffee and cigarettes. He, sit, he, uh, he was doing the lunchroom. So he was like trying to save money and giving terrible food to kids coffee and cigarettes. He gave him a bowl of sugar was dessert. Um, yeah, I think it's because he was so into that character and she played, like you said, the audience it's, it's an awesome combo. 
for sure. It, you know, some of the suggestions of the toys are really good. I do wonder what Erwin Mainway would look. Obviously, we haven't seen him on SNL in like, you know, 25 years. It would be interesting to see what Dan Aykroyd as Erwin Mainway could do now. Because this, to me, is a character that is timeless. You could put this character in any era of the show. I think that's why it works so well. Um, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily even have thought to vote for Erwin Mainway so many times to get him into the top eight. But, you know, going back and watching the sketches, I could see why this is, you know, really a, a great consistent character from the show. Um, it's a really interesting call and one that do you feel, Carlos, deserve to be in the top eight? Yeah, both of these feel high, I'll be just be honest, but I love this character so much and I love him and Jane's version of it. So I think so. I don't know. I just feel like it's informative. It's season one, right? So it's like... So it's actually season two, so my bad. So it's season oh, okay. two that, it? uh, that he does it for the first time. Let me just... Yeah, season two, episode 10 is the first time with Candy Bergen. Uh, then we get it once in season three, four to uh, three times in season four with Fred Willard, Eric Idle, and Milton Berle. All right. Yeah, I, I've only watched a couple of the other later ones, but to me, it is those first couple that, you know, feel like they belong in this list. For sure. So if you're like a younger viewer, listener of SNL, maybe you haven't gone back and checked out some of these sketches, don't know the character and stuff like that. Um, you know, is there any moments that you think would really stand out to a younger listener? Or do you think that it's something that's like you really got to know the original cast to sort of get, you know, Dan Aykroyd and this character? No, I mean, if you do the, the ones I'm talking about, the toys and the lunchroom, it just works. It still works. It doesn't matter what age you are. I think the lunchroom would do really well with like younger people nowadays because you still have, you know, high schools are and middle schools are still the same. You still have lunchrooms. You hate the food. It all tastes terrible uh, unless it's pizza day, which sometimes it's okay. Um, man, I want pizza. Anyways, yeah, I think that those two are good. I think the lunchroom one is the one I'd suggest. I would say that, you know, looking at the list so far that we have now, we've obviously revealed 20 through eight. Um, you know, John in the chat points out something that really was my first thought, which was uh, his surprise was that Erwin Mainway is much higher than the Coneheads. And I would think that the Coneheads would probably be higher just from, you know, name recognition, the fact that there's three of them and all that stuff. But really, um, I think there's just like a lot of people that seem to remember this character. It's not even just like I said, we had so many votes. It wasn't really just the, you know, the people that we talk to every day. There seems to be this character seems to resonate with people that you know we don't even just get to hear from regularly well it might be back to my original point about relatability i'm just saying because there is again this character you just said it too he could come on the show now and be the same character and people are like oh yeah it's that guy someone in chat said he'd be selling nfts um <laughs> but that's the thing like he's the guy who'd be like at the crypto conference right or something and he'd be like hey what what it's fine it's fine it's this you know and by the way, I have a character named Artie. Not again, back to my comedy. But when he when it, he existed, I swear it's it's this New Yorker guy who's kind of sleazy, and you just kind of understand that character. So that is maybe why it pushed out of Coneheads because Coneheads is fantastical. You know what I mean? Uh, and is awesome, by the way. But maybe that's why I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Okay, anything else that you would like to say about Irwin Mainway? No, I just love him. I really do. And I want to see a new sketch. So let's get him back on the show. Danny, sure. if you're listening. All right, I'm going to ask you at the end when we reveal the last character for the order that you would properly put them in. But while we're here, let's just do the exercise of Delicious Dish versus Erwin Mainway. Do you have one that you think should be ranked higher over the other? Did the you know did the listeners get this one right? 
I think listeners got this right. I, I, I agree with that right now. Okay, perfect. All right, let's get into character number seven on the list. And this is a character from an era that we really haven't talked about yet on the list. And I'm always excited when I do. I really never get to talk about this era very much on the show, but it's really fun when we get to talk about it. So um, this was a character that we saw um, we saw pretty recently, actually, um, which, believe it or not, over the last few years and one that is recognizable from one of the icons of the show. So uh, let me introduce uh, this next character. I always want to live in a house like yours, my friend. Maybe when there's nobody home, I'll break in. Yes, <laughs> that is Eddie Murphy's Mr. Robinson coming in at number seven on the list. Uh, Eddie, obviously, uh, getting a lot of votes for this character. This is a parody of the great Mr. Rogers, who educates children. But uh, this was a different kind of education that Mr. Robinson was giving to the children. Um, obviously, comes in an era where, um, you know, Eddie's one of the only black people at SNL. Uh, he has a perspective that a lot of people don't have at the show. And, you know, it's really great that he got to do this character and perform it, um, you know, talk about some of the stereotypes and stuff like that and make people laugh. This is a, like, beloved character um, that was done in the show. Um, this character... Uh, basically comes in, sings a version of the Mr. Rogers song, uh, sits down, uh, you know, talks about, you know, problems at the time, Ronald Reagan's president. He often blames Reagan for all of his problems. Uh, we have Tim Kazarinski playing Mr. Landlord, who often knocks on the door asking for rent. Uh, and then we get this incredible line, which to me will always stick out in my head. <laughs> from who is it from Eddie yeah. Murphy as Mr. Robinson. Uh, absolutely love that line. Always makes me laugh. Um, so I think I should keep that on the soundboard. Actually, you never know when we might need it throughout. You season should. 28. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a keeper. Um, so uh, basically something will happen. Uh, Mr. Robinson will teach the, the, you know, people who are watching about a certain word similar to Mr. Rogers. Uh, children, do you know this word? And then uh, something will happen where he'll have to flee his apartments. He'll go through the fire escape while singing tomorrow, tomorrow. And it is just so good. Um, we get this one time in season six, uh, twice in season seven, and twice in season eight, three times in season nine, once in season 10 when Eddie Murphy comes back and hosts in season 10, and then once in season 45 where Eddie Murphy finally returns to the show. So Carlos would love to get your opinion on Mr. Robinson. Whew, this one's a big one. Um, excited to get to talk about uh, Eddie. Um, yeah, Mr. Rogers send up, uh, obviously with a different perspective. Um, I think this is another thing that um, I don't see enough on the show and I would love to is kind of representation across the board of stuff. But like poverty, you know, can be really funny. I, I grew up super poor and I was on welfare or her family was on welfare. Uh, I have jokes about welfare cheese, you know, because we would just have welfare cheese and it, it was gross. You couldn't do anything with it. it. You put it in grilled cheese and it just like seep, seep out the sides. It was so gross. But anyways, the point is, he was showing that side, you know, and I think, like you said, like at that time period, one of the first people to show that side of like life and stuff. And also, you know, it wasn't clean and it was like its own kind of messy reality. Uh, but of course, it's Eddie, too. So he could just make anything funny in his delivery and like this, you know, him answering the door that way. So I liked it for a couple of reasons. I, I liked it because it's Eddie and he's funny. But it did also like, yeah, talk about like harsh reality. Um, and that's why I really did enjoy it. He did steal a lot, though. 
you're saying from uh, like did he steal Eddie. from okay you don't mean like stealing lines from his rock no 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 like no, no character no. actually was stealing a lot yeah yeah eddie didn't need to steal anything no comedy wise no he he <laughs> i went back and watched a few of them and he's he's taken a lot of people's stuff uh i think that's a reoccurring theme but uh, yeah. yeah i think it's just kind of fun to see that yeah, the difference is he's trying to point at like you know the haves and have nots which i think is important yeah, for sure. There is a great line where I think it was one of the sketches where he is given uh, he's a woman asks uh, Mr. Robinson to bring her groceries to the car. And then he's like, thank you for giving me your groceries. <laughs> he takes them home. Um, but yes, uh, you're totally right. This is uh, this is really fun. I have to wonder, I mean, if I ever had a chance and I, I mean, this is a, as big of a stretch as it'll ever get here at the SNL Network. But if I ever had a chance to interview Eddie Murphy, I would say did you like playing this character? Like, I'd be curious to know because it, it's interesting. Just, you know, he has so many, you know, great characters that he had on the show. And it, like, he's really the most synonymous with those five years, the post Lauren Michaels years, uh, the pre Lauren Michaels returning years where he, and you know, is just uh, there and dominating the show for a few years. And these characters are just like so beloved fondly because the era gets hit on so hard for being not that great when in fact there's like a lot of really great things from this era including these sketches yeah yeah and i think it's like it's another thing that makes you you know appointment television kind of thing back then right it's like oh did you see he he did mr rogers right like having it closely mirror that is i think the genius of the sketch um, cause it does again, relatable, you know, Mr. Rogers, you got that part of it and you might not know some of his other stuff, right? Like what's it like being super poor and what's it like maybe having to steal food? Um, yeah, he ticked out ladies for a quarter. That was yeah. Sad and hilarious, but that is also comedy, right? Comedy is tragic plus time, tragedy plus time. So this, a lot of what he's talking about is bad news bears, right? It's, it's, it's not good stuff and he's making it funny. And by the way, I rewatched the one where the last one he did, right? Was it season 45? Yeah. And on rewatch, it's much funnier. I don't know what happened, but that, if you remember, we watched it like live at the time. When Eddie came back, we were so excited. I think the expectations were through the roof. I remember, I don't know if I ever talked about it in the show, being a little underwhelmed or maybe even a lot underwhelmed. I don't know. I didn't feel like, uh, I don't know what happened. But when I rewatched it right now, this one, uh, this version of it uh, at 45 season 45 it's really good like i think because he messes uh, puts in gentrification you know and he puts like some modern stuff in it i don't know what do you think of it even like in the first time uh the original ones or the one that we saw in 45 the one we saw in 45 um you know what you know the thing for me is is like uh, when when Eddie Murphy, I think I talked about this a little bit during the SNL Hall of Fame nomination stuff that we were doing during the spring, where we were talking about should Eddie make the Hall of Fame, obviously. And my hesitation a little bit with Eddie was like, does he care enough about the show? Because when Eddie was really invested in Saturday Night Live, he's probably one of the best cast members ever. And there was times where obviously, you know, things took a step back a little bit. You can see that he wasn't as interested. I mean, he, he just has all these accolades and things. He's one of the old cast members to host while they were a cast member of the show. Uh, he did a lot of like, you know, his final season on the show. He pre-recorded a bunch of sketches that he filmed in advance of the season that aired during the season. There's like so many interesting things about his particular time at the show. And season 40 during SNL 40, he comes out and he gives this speech that everybody is like super underwhelmed by. So for me, when I heard that Eddie Murphy was going to host in season 45, I could not have been more excited. 
but I was a little bit nervous for what Eddie Murphy we are going to get that night. And I do feel like in the Mr. Robinson sketch, which happened earlier on in the show, um, I don't know if he was as warmed up yet. Like, I don't know if he, he was like, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe he needed like another drink or something, you know, but I, I I do feel like, um, you know, I, I feel like it was good. It wasn't like the best version of this sketch, but then obviously, you know, things later on in the episode, I mean, that elf sketch at the end, everybody else talks about so damn good. It's it's pure Eddie, right? Like, so that's like, you know, he was so so like, if there was a way to bring that energy from the elf sketch back into the Mr. Robinson thing, I don't know, I'm not rewriting it. But I'm saying like, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I watched it. I still think it's funny. I'm glad that it happened. Do I think it was like the most epic moment ever? I don't know. And again, I kind of I agree with all that, and I rewatched it just this morning, and I found it funnier. So that's what's that's awesome about sketch too. And I'm, I enjoy talking with you and everybody here about is that and why I write sketch is because you know it can it can have a different shelf life. Uh, it, 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 immediate viewing expectations, all that stuff. You don't know. Maybe it's not funny to you or whatever. But then you rewatch it, and all of a sudden it's hilarious. Uh, and then some stuff just hilarious out the gate. And like John said in chat, I think that yeah, it's like he is reflective of a real guy. He's like, sometimes he's over the top and sometimes he's just like explaining things. Um, yeah. But how different is that than so many other cast members that we just know from the show, right? Like you talked about, we spent the whole beginning of the podcast talking about Kristen Wiig a little bit. I mean, she's like the most consistent in terms of like, this is the way that Kristen Wiig is on the show. Like, you know what you're getting with Kristen. You know what you're getting with Bill Hader. You know what you're getting like with Dana Carvey. Like you know what yeah. you're getting with these people. Um, the range from somebody like Eddie is is staggering. Like it's you know, so you never know like fully what you're gonna get. And I think that's the fun of it, right? Like it's like um, there's a little bit of danger to know like what you're gonna get with Eddie Murphy when he's on the show. Yeah. Is he gonna kill it, or is he gonna is he fully into it, or you know? And that's that's the fun of it when you go back and you watch some of those episodes. Well, like you said earlier, like that that's kind of or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but like I wouldn't mind more danger on the show. You know what I mean? Like if you think about some stuff that they did in those first few seasons, you can't do that now. Like, you know, cause we, which would won't go on a tangent, but about like what's okay on television. Um, and so it's interesting. They took a lot of chances and did a lot of things that we don't do now. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing more of it. That's all. Okay. That's that's fair. Um, when you rewatched some of these sketches, the Mr. Robinson sketches, was there anything in some of the sketches that you were surprised by or would that you would recommend for people who they haven't seen um, all of these that they should go back and check out? Well, to repeat myself, I definitely go back and watch that last one because I think it is even you. I think it's just you've probably seen it eight million times. But um, yeah, I think it's a lot funnier than I thought originally. And then the other ones, they're all kind of interchangeable. Not to make, that's not a negative, but they all feel just as funny and they kind of do the same types of things. Um, So yeah, not one in particular, but I really enjoy it. And um, I just, I I think the thing I didn't remember was that he stole a lot of things and uh, that was surprising. I forgot that. Yeah, for sure. I would say my favorite parts of these sketches, I do like the who is it, but I definitely love every single time uh, Mr. Robinson is teaching a certain word to the uh, the, the people who are watching the show. Because to me, that was the fun of it is like, what word are we going to get? Today's word is blank. And uh, that was that's the best part. So I don't want to spoil any of them in case you decide to go back and watch some of these sketches because the words are really fun and how he uses them in the sketch and the writing around the words, I think is really great. That's the, probably to me the best writing of the sketch. Yeah, the words that are in the season 45 one, it's really funny. Yeah, um, I, really I wish I wish that the only thing that I wish it would have done, and I'm 
correct me if I'm wrong, but Mr. Rogers had those little puppets, you know, mm. those little characters. Did he, I don't think he ever did that, did he? Because that um, would have been hilarious. No, I don't think he did either. I didn't, you know, another thing about this character is like, uh, if you do do some research online, you'll read that uh, Mr. Rogers was pretty fond of Mr. Robinson's sketches at the time that Eddie Murphy did. He was like a big supporter of them. He always said, he's like, yeah, you know, these air late at night, so it's fine. It's not like the children are watching these. So uh, that I think was a really cool part. Yeah, but hey, I mean, he's also speaking truth. That's the other reason I like this sketch is because um, I just want, you know, I want even nowadays in this new seasons, I want more representation of like all walks of life. You know, it's not just a few uh, different people um, that you might recognize. It's like a lot of people that you are a lot of different scenarios you might not recognize. And that and those can be really funny, too. So for sure. All right. Anything else on Mr. Robinson? Nope. I think we did it. Okay. Perfect. I know Monette in the chat does say, says that Eddie did parody the puppets at one point. Oh, okay. Cheap version. Okay. So uh, definitely uh, good to know. All right. So let's let's do that question that we've been asking every single week. So uh, let's re-rank these three characters in case we feel like we need to. And chat, I would love to know from you as well. So first up at number nine, we have the delicious dish ladies, Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer's characters from the culinary-themed radio show then we had the sleazy Irwin mainway coming in at number eight dan Aykroyd's character from consumer probe number seven we have the legendary eddie murphy's character mr robinson's from mr robinson's neighborhoods coming in at number seven on the list is that the right order carlos i don't want to be boring but yeah <laughs> okay like to but me, i don't that think it's boring because i don't think it's boring because this is the first week that you know our panelists in this case, you uh, says that it is the right order because a lot of weeks they're like, ah, oh. I would switch this and this one. So okay, good. it's then it's and stop boring. It's the opposite of boring. It's uh, unexpected that I believe that it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That one. Okay. Perfect. All right. So, uh, you know, that is, you know, 20 through seven, we're down to the top six characters. So this is gonna be a lot of fun to break down over the next two weeks. Next week, we're going to be back August 22nd to talk about number six, number five, and number four on the list. We have some really fun characters. Chat, I would love to know from you, which characters haven't shown up yet that you want to see in the top six or that you might think are in the top six. Let us know over the next few minutes. And then in two weeks, August 29th, we'll be back to break down the final three characters, number three, number two, and number one. So uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about these. Like I said, tonight, so, uh, you know, some surprises. I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily wrote these down as, you know, three of the characters in the top 10. Uh, not that I don't think they deserve it, but I just, it wouldn't be the first that would come to mind. But maybe after thinking and really going through and moving stuff around, I could see how these three characters definitely cracked the top 20. All right. Carlos, uh, would love to hear if there's anything that you would love the listeners to check out that you got going on. Always appreciate getting to talk SNL with you, and I'm excited to do that more on the patron feedback shows in season 48. Yeah, I'm so excited for season 48. And also, um, yeah, just in general, uh, love talking with you about SNL and nerding out about comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, yeah, I think that Shorty Balls probably pushed that Molly and Anna uh, through, but that's fine because it's hilarious. Uh, I do comedy, and I'm doing some comedy writing for a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you can just find me on TikTok, probably the best place. Carlos Rodella, is my name. It's right there. Oh, if you're watching the video, it's on the screen. It's R-O-D-E-L-A, Carlos, R-O-D-E-L-A. And also, I'm Carlos Rodella Comedy on Instagram. And I'm on YouTube, same name. I didn't change yeah. it. Yeah. Do something for the audio listeners, the ones who are, you know, the sweaty ball types who would love to hear oh, from you, but, right. but don't see it. Yeah. So right now I'm going to uh, remove all my clothing and 
by I'm now okay now I'm putting honey all over my body. It's uh pretty gross, but it's for oh, a bit. And then I'm now I'm fully uh yep, there it is. Got all the honey on. And I'm here in a slippery goo to tell you that uh you should check out TikTok. Uh Carlos Rodella on TikTok. I do things like this. I put honey all over myself. Oh, now there's bees here. There's bees here. Uh, and I'm going to go because I have wait. to get away from the bees. Oh, wait, I'm not going to go. I'm still here. I'll the, stay here. The bees haven't shown up as characters on the character <laughs> countdown yet. So uh, maybe they will show up in the top six. We'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, I mean, if you haven't, uh, if you want to see Carlos um, naked in honey, of course, you can check out our YouTube channel where you can find all of our videos on the SNL network or subscribe to the feed wherever you can on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's, uh, that's always a great way to listen to all of our shows and never miss anything is to subscribe. You can also find us on social media facebook twitter tiktok and instagram where we're posting lots of content we posted a lot of stuff about keenan thompson getting a star on the hollywood walk of fame so congrats to keenan we'll be posting a little bit more about that this week we also have um, a little bit more of jay farrow from just for laughs that i think we're going to be putting out down the road where he talks about if he would come back and host the show so uh, that was a fun interview that i got to do with him uh, you can follow me at john schnara 24 to catch up with anything that i'm doing and we'll be back very soon for season 48 coverage so stick with us just a little bit longer as we make our way there all right for carlos and the entire chat here on this monday night in august we will see you next week everybody have a good bye one. bye bye